Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude Sonny D. I want to thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sonny D. All right, so something we've speculated about, talked about on the podcast um, for almost two months now. Uh, whether COVID-19 would affect the summer poker season or not. And it has had its first major effect today. Uh, the WSOP officially announces the postponement of uh, the summer series of bracelet events uh, for 2020. Uh, this is a major move, but in a previous episode um, with Nick, I do talk about that. Now, I say previous episode because it was recorded a couple of days ago, but it might come out after this one. So uh, tune into that one just to hear what we had to say about it, Uh, even though it's going to be a little hindsight now. um, The big thing there is um, just that, yeah, we thought, okay, could they cancel it? Will they cancel it? Um, uh, At the time of talking, we just rediscovered that there was still the um, traffic ban or travel ban that had... um, been extended for 30 days which would have put us very close to and i said and that's a best case scenario that it's lifted it's not gonna be lifted for everyone so um zero and i think that was kind of what it was is with everywhere kind of extending um states of emergency stay-at-home orders whatever your it might be lockdowns for another 30 days uh we um it just it made sense like the math was no longer adding up that there was gonna be any chance of salvaging it so they made the call to they made the official announcement today um and i think they had to kind of make a statement so i those couple of days when they had first announced um the extension on travel bans and such then you know hey unless we get super super good fucking news um it's it's done um the things i've talked about before when it comes to making that decision is it's not just as simple as we're going to get rid of it like the wsop is the biggest poker event of the year hands down bar none uh there's nothing like it uh, it just it, it really resonates at so many levels for so many poker players and means so much to the poker world that you have those impacts as well from a sporting point of view. It's a huge um, thing for the Rio. It's their biggest thing that they have all year, in all honesty. Like, I think there's going to be a time when we discuss the Rio basically being kept around to, ho- uh, to house the World Series of Poker. And, and maybe that's part of the plan for the Rio. I don't know. That's, you know, that's at this point speculatory at best and speculation uh but yeah the rio i mean we don't need to get into the rio this episode and and we could get into it but it's a big 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 um bring in and revenue generator for the rio the amount of players staying at the rio the tertiary business there through the world series um eating at restaurants now gambling there whatever it might be you just have more people walking through your casino like it's a win-win proposition uh, no matter which way you look at it. and i mean i've played in some of those events when you get to those dinner breaks and you have an hour and a half two hours to kill you're like yeah i'm gonna go wander around in the casino you know go to the restaurant have something to eat if you want to just take your mind completely off the poker whatever it might be it's a fucking grind and to have those people in there 
is, I mean, you can't put a price tag on that. So um, big hit to the Rio as a hotel. And as I said, the Rio has kind of, you know, from when I first started going to the Rio, maybe 10 years ago or so till now, like, yeah, it has taken a bit of a step back in my opinion. Again, I've got nothing wrong. I, you know, I've got nothing against the place. I don't think, you know, the place isn't falling apart or anything like that, as far as I know. Um, and it isn't like it's aesthetically grotesque or anything. It just, yeah, it isn't as big and fancy as like a Bellagio or Aria or some of the newer um, hotels. Uh, but again, you if you wanted to go to those places, you would just go to those places. Again, I've got nothing against the Rio. And they've got a lot of things. They've got a lot of draws to it, um, reasons to go there. So it's not a bad establishment. It's just like this is their biggest thing. This is their biggest thing. Like this is bigger for them now than I would say Penn & Teller is. And nothing against Penn & Teller there. I just, I mean, eventually the show gets, you know, it is what it is. And I mean, but now they've kind of been doing, I know the last time I was in Vegas, they were doing a pen and, and friends because I think Teller just had back surgery back then. So that would have been interesting to kind of go and see. Uh, however, big hit. So it's, it's, it's something to consider just from the, you know, like losing it. So you, when you look at it from the business aspect of it, you don't want to lose it. The other problem is it is the logistics of such an event. If you're going to run the exact same schedule any other time, but when you are running it, it's very difficult, pardon me, to coordinate. Incredibly difficult to get the volunteer, you know, the staff, I was going to say volunteers, but the staff needed and in place. You need to have the venue. You need to, I mean, there's almost a certain degree of participation from everything else, right? Whether people are renting Airbnbs, whether they're staying in hotels, whatever the hell they're doing. Like it's a it's, it's tough. And there's so many moving pieces to organizing something as big as the entire summer poker season, let alone just the biggest event there, which is the world series of poker that moving. It isn't just quite that simple. Like at a place like the Venetian, the advantage that they have is that it's their own in-house events and they have them kind of all throughout the year. So they kind of already have a certain infrastructure in place. The WSOP doesn't go on multiple times in the year at the Rio. I mean, that would be kind of cool in itself too, is if you spread bracelet events out throughout the year, but we'll get into some suggestions as to how they could make this work moving forward um, later on. But anyway, it's... You know, it, it it's just it's not that easy with something as big as the World Series, and especially considering it's a once in a year thing, right? Things are brought in, set up, and it requires so much space. Like the entire convention area of the Rio is used up by this. You know, if it went anywhere, it would and easily could fill up convention space there. Like, let's say, I think the Venetian does have a bigger convention area than the Rio. I would imagine they do. Um, but let's say the Venetian was hosting the uh, World Series of Poker. Like it would, it it could even with that capacity, they could offer the events and structures and things that they need to. They could keep that thing full. Like it is that big, so you can't just pick it up and move it wherever you want to. So in making the announcement of postponement, there are a lot of trickle down effect um, that's going to happen here. There is a lot of trickle down effect that will happen. Uh, resulting from this postponement with the World Series of Poker. 
Uh, I think it's now only a matter of time before you start seeing announcements or just you know notices of postponement for the other major events in the summer uh, poker season. Um, Famous Goliath hadn't even put out a finalized one, so maybe you know maybe that's why too. Some places were just like, you know what? What's the point? Like, hey, dude, do you want to do this? No. Hey, do you want to do this? No. Fuck it. We, it might. It's probably canceled anyway. You know, you have to imagine there's some degree of that when it comes to the scheduling of this. So it really, in a sense, uh, truly um, is a sign of things and how we're going to see some movement throughout the summer now. And if that doesn't make things real in terms of just what's going on in our world around us, I don't know what does. Like it was it was kind of a weird thing when it was like March and, oh, you know... So, you know sports could be back by summer like we could have games into july whatever it is um we don't have people in the tsn studio right now and haven't had them there for a month and won't have them there for at least another month like let's put some of this into perspective like we're into a very serious um period in our history as human beings and our history as of now so it's pretty crazy when you think about just the magnitude um, and impact this is having culturally, socially, economically, just everything out there. You know, it, it's funny because this in a way has been motivation for me to pick up and do some degree of exercise every day. Every day, I, you know, I put in that time doing a workout uh, whether, you know, it's strength training, it's doing some cardio, some, you know, some hockey stuff, you know, just an insane amount of crunches, whatever I can. Something about like, hey, man, like you're blessed to be, you know, we are blessed as people and, you know, don't take a minute for granted. So sorry to get a little off topic and preachy there, but this is a sign of how serious this is, um, whether we want to admit it or not. So. And whether we find out what's, you know, happening, and I don't want to contribute to conspiracy theories out there at all. I don't want that to be the takeaway here, uh, not for one second. Uh, but um, there are, we're still discovering things from last year regarding this. Like, we don't have a full story yet as the average person. The average person, I don't think, is enough in the know as to what's going on in the grand scheme of information, the information that's being processed too. And looking back on this, I mean, there's a story there. But anyway, it, uh, yeah, so the, so kind of, yeah, so it's, it's having an effect now on our summer poker season. That's gonna be essentially canceled. As more and more as we see thing, or postponed, I should say postponed, as more and more of these things happen now, it does kind of force us to reevaluate um, many aspects uh, kind of of our lives moving forward and what we could see and expect in terms of competition. Um, some things they might be able to kind of put back to a normal schedule. Like if we're able to kind of have fully, you know, semi-normal kind of productivity and, and and life going on by the fall then yeah i mean we lose a season of hockey imagine that you get three quarters of the way through a season and then yeah we're done here that's a wrap that's it for us we're done here thank you you know even more than like 80 something percent done the season like how crazy is that less than more than that so 85 ish 85 ish percent because 82 yeah so about 85% of the way done a season 
in the NHL's case, and it's like, um, whoa, this is pretty crazy. Like we've lost a sport. Like it it stopped to not come back and finish that up. Right? There's a permanent asterisk there. And that's things we're looking at. So coming out of this, like it's one of those things where when you look at other sports, there's a sense of could this return to normal? Could we have situation where, you know, if you lose this season, you could kind of start next season uh, at a relatively normal time, right? And then you kind of just move on. And then, you know, this is something we're talking about five years from now, right? We're hoping... I mean, there's 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 a lot of people out there that are probably hoping that that's like a best case scenario at this point. It's not the worst case, but when you look at other things like golf, do they kind of go back? Like if they do play the Masters later this year, would they be able to then go back to having it be the first major of the year next year? That's something that could be relatively readjusted. Like these are all there are certain ones that you can just kind of put back. And when it comes to poker, and especially the World Series of Poker. Unlike a lot of the other series of events and that go on, like there's WSOP circuit stops and those are the ring events throughout the season. It, it's like a season, like a hockey or an October. And, and those are people that I agree, like the people that play that circuit full time and travel around the United States and into Canada and wherever to play these ring events. Like it is a sporting season for them. It is fucking poker season. And it's a real thing. Um, and I think it's something that has to be acknowledged. When you think of the WPT events, like they have events throughout the season, um, the Poker Stars Lives ones, like they have the Caribbean Adventure, and I'm not, I have to look more into that, but like EPT, all these things that have tours, like the Venetian Deep Stack Extravaganzas happen more and more. Uh, the Win Poker Series. Um, and it's actually kind of cool, like for the win, you get this little kind of mini win statuette. Um, if you win events there, if you win at the Venetian, you get a little trophy, I think, as well, or a little plaque, at least. It's really cool. So something to acknowledge your achievement. WPT, of course, you get something. You get the watch. I think some headphones. You get your name on, on the Champions Cup. All of that. Like, there's always things to acknowledge you for these major kind of circuits. And the granddaddy of them all, in a way, even though I always refer to summer poker season as the season, in a way, it kind of isn't. It is an out-of-season thing. And I've also said that, too. It kind of lets you know where you stand coming out and going into the next season, in a way. It is kind of like a training camp, in a sense. It's the playoffs. And, yeah, that's probably the best way of looking at it. It's the playoffs. The summer tournament season is the playoffs to last season. Like, you get to see where you really rank, in a way. Uh, so anyway, coming out of that, uh, you have these series, you have the WSOP. Does the WSOP now, let's say they have to postpone and then it's a shortened series. Because I'm going to have a hard time imagining how they're going to squeeze 101 gold bracelet events into Las Vegas at any point later in the year from September onwards. Like there's ways possibly if they could do it maybe in July, starting in July, it might actually be bigger if you went July, August, September, like if there was a way to do it there, I could see a situation in which, okay, yeah, there's um, there's an opportunity here to for sure uh, make this happen. But if you start getting at a full schedule, once you start getting into like the September and Octobers and Novembers, it's tough. Like by October, you're not. Like that, I can be honest there. By October, you're not. There's just not enough days left in the year. Um, and then you have to wonder too, because now you start to impact your circuit 
uh, as well. Like the WSOP has a lot at stake here in, in the rescheduling, the logistics of a postponement and the, tr and the personal trickle-down effect it could have here. You could very much see a situation in which, okay, sure, if this if we're kind of back to normal, maybe there's a vaccine or something in the immediate future, then yes. All right, here we go. Uh, let's get it back. We can have it up running by mid-July. We go July, August, September, maybe into being up to something. Or you shorten it and just have July and August. There's a way to have a semi -nor Like 101 was ambitious because that's still like a jump of 20 or 30 plus bracelet events from last year. Right, like lest we forget, like this is still a jump from the pr year prior. So you could go back to like last year's schedule, even the year before's schedule, really trim it down and be like, hey, okay, we're gonna have to get rid of some of these. Uh, and I could, see, and and the ones I think that you, well, it's tough because again, it depends what kind of which players you're looking out for. Are you looking for the players that are gonna play five hundred dollar, you know, crazy field tournaments? Are you looking for more of those varied games? Like, do you want to get in all the major var game variants in and at the respective levels? So you have the 1500 and the 10Ks. Um, they've said no matter what, they're going to get in um, the main event. And I think that's something. Like, you could end up seeing a situation even where they decide to just have the main event this year. The WSOP is one fucking tournament and that's it. That would be insane. But, oh my god, imagine the feeling of butterflies you'd have to have, no matter who, what, who you are, how long you've been playing, it's just part of the game. Um, there's a situation where that could arise. But, however you do this, there's a lot of those decisions that have to be made. It's, where, it's easy enough to say, oh yeah, you just have to trim the schedule. Where do those trimmings come from? Is it the high rollers? They want to get into the high rollers. And a big reason why they want to get into the high rollers is in my opinion is to bring back a lot of those name brand or bring in and make sure a lot of those you know kind of people you see on the poker goes and on any kind of t televised po high um higher stakes games all those higher stakes players they want to bring them in right because otherwise they'd be playing at aria because they have the summer high rollers there where they're running like 10 and 25k tournaments every day so for some of those guys that's where they hang out or those i mean unreal cash games um, that often are talked about in at the Bellagio. So it's, it's a way to entice those players back in. I get it. I see why they do it. And I'm not saying it's bad for the game. Like the, if you're saying that you're the biggest event for every player, they do make the, you know, they, they are trying to accommodate every player for better or worse. A lot of credit has to be given for the fact that essentially there's, there is something for everyone. There is absolutely something for absolutely everyone. And when you think of being able to organize such a huge event, like the biggest one in sport, and have something for everyone, that's a win. Like that's something that gets celebrated, that gets talked about. So I think, you know, it, it, those, are, those are some of the tough decisions as well that go into this postponement. Um... And then, as I said, the trickle-down effect for the rest of the Summer Poker Series. Depending on what else is going on, right? So if there isn't other conventions or trade shows occupying the space, a lot of the other places have a distinctly large advantage over the World Series of Poker. Um, and as I said, it's because of the structure of it um, and some, you know, kind of the housing of it. So any of these other places that offer the kind of the Summer Series typically have 
uh, either a, a stable tournament presence themselves, they house the event themselves, whatever it is, they have a distinct advantage. Um, and, and, and those, sorry, I should get into it. Those advantages are, yes, that they house it themselves. So it's the venue putting on that event rather than an event coming to the venue. Like the World Series goes to the Rio. There's long been talk, long been talk about moving the World Series. Highly speculated for years now that they'd be considering moving the World Series of Poker. Uh, so that's, that... That isn't something that I'm just, oh my god, is Sonny serious? They actually do? No, 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 like this is well known. And I'm sure many of you out there know this. But again, I try to cater to everybody here, or at least as broad an audience as I can on my podcast. So for those of you that aren't really in the know, it's it's long been talked about. The Rio doesn't put on the World Series of Poker. The World Series of Poker is its own entity that happens to host be at the Rio. Um, but the logistics could be put in place for any venue. Um, the difference with the other ones is it's the venue putting on the event. So they are putting on their own infrastructure. They are typically doing it within their own means anyway. Uh, and as I've said, like places like the Venetia have gotten very, very good at hosting tournament series. The win has gotten up there as well. And some of the more regular players... And they'd know more about this than I do as to specific, or they'd have better arguments maybe, but I just know this. Those two are kind of viewed as the premier year-round mid-stakes tournament series um, venues. Um, they both sharpened up and they really push each other and that's kind of the premier places. Um, but even still, when you have the Planet Hollywood put on the Famous Goliath, again, yeah, that Planet Hollywood does host other things, but again, it's just a logistics thing of making sure there aren't other things in the way, and they could, again, have a bit of an easier time hosting in terms of putting the event on in their capacity or decreasing a schedule. Like, decreasing a schedule there is a little easier. It's a low to mid-stakes in the grand scheme of tournaments. Actually, I should say all summer tournaments truly are mid-stakes tournaments. Like, it is still, when I think about it, like, it's still a switch to be able to say, yeah, I'm going to put 300 bucks down on a buy-in. I'm going to put 500 bucks down on a buy-in. I'm going to put 600 bucks down on a buy-in. Like, those are still accomplishments and still achievements. And I don't want that to go understated as well. And we do see a lot out there in content in terms of, you know, players that play much bigger buy-in tournaments. And there's, you know... It's natural to feel like, oh, I'm not as accomplished or I'm not playing professional poker if I'm not playing at that level. That's not true. A profession is something you do and is earning you a legitimate living, right? You have a skill set that you need to require to do it and you are earning a living from that. You are a professional poker player. And how you define that is up to you. And that's what kind of makes it a business more than, you know, a trade, so to speak. Um, well, trades can be business, but as what I mean is like, to be a, po a poker player is a business in itself. Uh, and I've long told people that when they ask me what it's like, I say it's it's like being your own business and you're paying yourself your own dividend. Like it's, it's very much like a business. If you understand how business works, that's what you are. Uh, it's, it's business in its rawest form or one of its rawest forms. And yeah, so playing in these mid-stakes tournaments, all the Summer Series events are mid-stakes tournaments. And yeah, you get some value on some $100 buy-ins for good, you know, for good prize pools. But $100 is still a big ass to say, hey, each of the, those tickets, that's $100. Like, that's still decent money if it's something you're doing recreationally. 
You know, like, let's keep that in mind. Like, this is still something that is very much, you know, like, there's a cost commitment to this as well, uh, which you want to be always aware of. So when you think about that, yes, um, these are all mid-stakes events. So, but they could, they're going to, they're going to cater, as I said, to that mid-stakes player more so than they are to the um, WSOP players. Like somebody who's going to go specifically to play a WSOP event isn't going to skip that to go play somewhere else. That's not happening. You're going to go and play that event. Like that's just how it works. Um, so it's catering to a different level of player in, in, in a way. And it's not trying to downgrade that type of player. It's just maybe someone that it's not a skill necessarily measure as much as it is just a where you're at in the grand scheme of your poker career. Um, but they, again, are the venue putting on the event. They could make it work logistically how they need to. Where it gets uh, very kind of, as I said, that trickle-down effect is the dealers. So you might not necessarily house all of these dealers. The Win and Encore, the Win and Venetian rather do a great job uh, finding their own dealers, how they get them, I don't know, but getting dealers in place, having good quality dealers, um, you know, great, just well-run tournaments is on them. Um, but there's also when you have that summer season, it's drastically expanded. So the summer series is always viewed as being bigger than the rest of their events. Like they know this, um, and as such, you have to accommodate. In many ways, that accommodation is a trickle-down effect of the size of the poker season. So with so many people coming to work the biggest event, the WSOP, not everybody's going to get to work there. So there are dealer, there's dealer trickle-down. There's infrastructural trickle-down. Wow, that was a tongue twister there. That has to happen in order for these things to work as well. So it's, it's kind of like, that's why I always say it's it's more than just one event because it's its whole little micro ecosystem of existence happening within a place, right? It's like we've moved a whole ecosystem, a whole percentage of the population, a whole group of people that identify in some way that brings them all together in one place, like at such a scale. It's truly an amazing thing. And all these like parts feed each other right someone who isn't running you know they you know you go play here you go play there whatever it might be it all feeds off of each other so to just say that they can all go their separate ways isn't entirely true so while there's one component of it that some hold an advantage over the other side of it is that the big chip or one of the big chips is is inversely held by the WSOP and in turn the Rio in that they're going to draw the biggest pool of potential staff and workers for these events. And you get some people that double up at places, whatever they need to do. And some people like this is what they live like. This is this is when they earn major money. Like, this is the time to earn the money. And I get it. So I'm like, hey, you know what? Whatever you need to do is fine by me. And yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. But, you know, it's it's that it's that effect now. So how many people now are, you know, sitting a little nervous at home because, 
hey, postponed, what does that mean now for that money that I've been depending on for the last, you know, three years, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, however long some of these people have been dealing at the World Series. You know, and there are people that travel around dealing cards. Like I, I, I found that out a couple of years ago. Like there was somebody who had just been in town dealing for, I guess it was a WSOP circuit stop and was heading down to the States and stayed over Christmas or whatever it was and was heading now down to the Caribbean for the Poker Stars one. They just travel around dealing the circuits. Like as these things happen, like it has a trickle down effect throughout the entire poker world. What's going on right now? So the Rio has that in that it'll bring in the biggest pool and then other people can, other places, venues can feed off of that and in turn run their series as need be or as they can. So it, it it does feed off of each other and really what I'm trying to get at is there's no easy solution here to this. Like there's no easy, well, this is just what we're going to do. There's a lot of moving pieces here, but I think what I want to do now is kind of get in to a little bit of kind of some ideas of what could happen, how it could be solved. Well, not solved, but what we could see in place and maybe moving forward. A lot of those other series, so those mid to mid higher stake tournaments, um, like your regular WPTs, your circuit, your WSP circuits, the Venetian ones, the wins, even if they lost their summer things, like it, this, this, the show kind of more easily goes on in a sense. So even if they pa passed those by and said, you know what, we'll just maybe make it up by having a couple more events per stop, you could do that. So they again, they have an accommodation that they can make. A, kind of a, roll, a rolling with the punches accommodation that they can make in a sense as well. If you're already going to put these on, events on at a certain time, well, now you might be able to attract more players who didn't get their fix or whatever it might be. Now they're getting back in. Now they're going to uh, go and decide, hey, all right, I can kind of get in there, play this, play that. Uh, get a couple more events in. I know for me, as I've said, I want to move away from the summertime and start playing a more kind of regular season game to the tournament schedule. Uh, I see the value there in being able to go, okay, yeah, so there's a couple more events now. So now that kind of opens up my opportunity to travel and play perhaps a little more. There's more events that entice me. It makes, me a it makes my time a little kind of more work you know better utilized at each stop so that is something as an adjustment that they can kind of all make on the go for the wsop it's a tougher decision and one thing i've talked about is they could host a handful of events you could have one super high roller so like you know 100k a 500k a 200k whatever you wanted buy-in uh so let's say you did 100k a million You'd ha you could have the PPC and then the main event. Like that would be like the bare minimum in my opinion. If you were really trying to be like, what are four events we can have? Like if we need to trim this to four, how do those four look? That's the four in my opinion. You maybe throw, as you start to expand, you'll probably throw in a value no limit hold'em event but again it's an infrastructure thing 
you know so do you know at that point is it a no is it a $500 million dollar guaranteed um, no limit hold'em or do you now have to expand and say you know what maybe it's a 3,000 or 2,500 eight or nine game mix I think the poker the PPC was going to be nine game mix this year they're going to add induced to seven single draw um, which I think really changes it that fucking adds that pumps the action up and the PPC up like you have no idea like no limit deuce is a scary game you can be and, and maybe you know when you get to like a Nick Shulman level um it doesn't phase you but having played in events with Nick Shulman and, and looked over at him I can say like you know there's a sense of occasion to playing that game like it's a high pressure game you know, nobody takes a WSOP event lightly, especially if you want to win them. Uh, there's a certain respect that needs to be shown. So, again, where do you go? Do you decide that's maybe where it's at? Do you decide, hey, we need to appease the Pot Limit Omaha fans? Do you have a $2,000 Pot Limit Omaha? You know, some of these events that could easily be, that are more easily canceled, do you need to have a heads up No Limit Hold'em tournament? Right? Like, do you decide, hey, okay, we get rid of the 25K that they're going to make it this year buy-in? Do you make it less? There was a time when the heads up, I think, was as low as 2500 bucks. So do you go back to something like that? 25K heads up, cap it at 516 Right? Like, do you do something like that? And then... You know, so you could cap it at 516. The first 516 to show up at 2,500 bucks. Boom, heads up. Let's go for the bracelet. That would be exciting. Like, there's a way to make that one work. Again, you'd have to kind of pace that somewhere in between an event or maybe after everything. So maybe after the main event. Because the idea is, is you want some of those high rollers to have the chance to play it. So that's a tough one. Do you have it towards the end? Because if it was going on during the main event, you'd want to imagine there's a chance that the main event winner could buy in. But again, you have to control registration at that point. How early can you register for events? Because at 2,500 bucks and the fact that the WSOP does take a wide variety of payments, there's ways to, to buy in early. So you could have 516 people that have bought in before the WSOP. And there's going to be some that do. Like, especially how you would tailor a player of the year at that point. Like, now you'd all of a sudden, like, yes, you'd have the Daniel Negrange, the Sean Deebs, the Phil Helmers. They've already bought in. Like, they're already in. Like, the second that would be, if that was all that was announced. Like, those are things you have to remember as well. So, <clears throat> again, where do you start adding? Where do you start trimming back? I think almost... I, I'd imagine they have people there that have thought about this. If not WSOP, you could always hire, hire the dude, Sonny D, as a WSOP tournament uh, consultant, if you would. I'd be happy to help out uh, in figuring out a fair way to bring back the WSOP for 2020 um, that kind of appeases everyone. And I think as a longstanding not member of the community, but just, like, I love poker. Like, it is, it is one of the things I truly love the most. Like, I could talk about it all fucking day to anybody that'll listen. I could. It is, to me, um, like, I've taken my knowledge of poker as seriously as I think many people do that ex that have an expertise in something. 
you know, I'm constantly like, I am afraid when I think about poker, I don't think about how much I know and pride myself on that. I always look at it like, man, how much more is there to know? Like I consider, you know, a lifelong student of the game. I love learning things, developing new, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so that's why like that. So, I mean, maybe this has become a bit of a podcast audition to have some involvement this year if the World Series of Poker comes back. But uh, at the end of the day, it's uh, there, there's some plan that has to be done. So there's there's ways logistically when you look at do you look at it from a trimming effect or do you look at it from the inside out? What are the core events and how do we build out from there and what do we want that to look like? You know, and I imagine thinking of it quickly off the top of my head, like not really trying to do it or, or draw this out, but thinking about it on the top of my head, I would imagine the easiest thing to do would be to go ahead. Wow, I had the burp something bad today. Um, would be to would be to start with your core events and work outwards. That just seems to me to make the most sense. Um, because at that point you want to know how you want it to be defined, how we let what has happened in our world define the WSOP this year. And I think when you build from the core out, you kind of know where things need to go. And I imagine that's probably the strategy that's taken every year. I mean, at this point it's, it's now a matter of where can we add here? Where can we add there? But I like designing something like the world series of poker is not an easy task. Like there's a team of people. I mean, there's a, a very intelligent, very qualified team of people that get involved in this and work at this and try to make this work when you think of just all the man hours, all the brain power um, that goes into working out a schedule and the logistics of how to make this work. And there's also the other moving pieces. They have those daily deep stacks. You can count on those being gone, I imagine. If it goes on too far, those are gone. I'd imagine that's gone. Um, even though like that's a that's a huge money maker too for them. Like that's that's a huge to lose the tertiary events could be big. I mean, how do you figure so yeah, so not only do you have the tournaments guys, so it's so big. It has its own built-in secondary and third feeding systems. It has the daily deep sacks and it has the satellites. Two levels of satellites. It has the super satellites and the um, single table sit and go style satellites. Like it's it's just crazy when you think about the pieces there. So it's it's not an easy thing to to put together. Like I I can't imagine. Like oh boy. The level of organization, if you were just one person and you had to put that together, like that's a level of organization I don't think I could ever envision myself having. Or, and, and maybe that's just on me. Maybe other people could. They could be like, yeah, I, you know, if this is all I had to do, I could do it. But, whew. Like, where do you start? Like, that's something I would love to know. If I, whoever designs it on a year-by-year -year basis if I could interview them, if I could sit down for drinks with that person and pick their brain, that is someone who I'd want to learn from. That Those are the kind of people, like, when you think about, like, what job they do, you're like, man, that's somebody who I want to learn some of those skills. Like, there are special skills involved in that. And I think the person who puts together the entire package and entity or that group of people, like, just to pick their brains for a week, you know, spend a day with each one. 
I think that content would be so valuable. Um, but uh, nonetheless, a lot of issues there. So you have to start somewhere. So even when you think of building out, we're just talking about the main tournaments, the bracelet events. So I think it, it would be safe to say there, yeah, that looks very much like we're in a case there where you'd build from the inside out. Like you start with your most valuable, like your core events and build outwards. Um, rather than just looking at the entire series, moving it, and then saying, okay, what do we trim? I think you kind of almost, in a sense, have to be prepared to rebuild. Like that's the other thing about this too is if there isn't a big window that it can undergo just a full postponement and carry on as would be. Like that window for something like the WSOP is particularly small. All the other places have advantages. Their schedule is what their fucking schedule is. Like that's just it. It's a series of tournaments. That's that. Even they have satellites that run, but it's 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 super satellites. So it's multiple tables, and that's part of the scheduling. Like they're past that. Like they look at every, like to everybody else. They are so big league. It's not even funny. And I mean, that's probably why they have the TV deals. And yeah, so I mean, when you think about it, yeah, so you you come up with the core, you go through there, but at that point, what do you decide? Maybe that it is like the, the, the scheduling of the daily deep sex that they wanted to keep. That can't happen. Like there's such a small window to make that happen. You could be seeing a decision where it's like, like expect this, like, I mean, the announcement was kind of a little bit that, like, just like, hey, we're postponing. But these are some of the things to discuss about the postponement as well. Like, the, the like, think about this on a deep level. Like, there aren't too many iterations moving forward this year now with them announcing that they're postponing that it is going to look the same as it would have. Like, in the grand scheme, if you believe in series of events... And, you know, this idea of one thing leads to another. Somebody's life took a fucking change. Like, people's lives got changed by this. We can all admit that. Like, anyway. You have to make a decision here as the Daily Deep Stacks. Again, expect that that won't look the same. That was an ambitious schedule at best this year. In the best of times, that's going to have to change. You can't have all of that side stuff going on and run the satellites. And... You might have to make, they might have to make a decision there. Like, are the satellites the draw or is it the daily deep stacks? Like, you're going to see some give and take across the board there. Like, there's way more planning that goes in there. Which leads me to kind of now the next thing. I've said for the other series of events, we could have a situation where, yeah, it, it, there's the roads to making themselves whole through this are a little simpler um even at the top of my head for many of them than the world series of poker how do you if you go forward and now this has got to be weighing on your mind every year if you're if you're the world series or anything man don't take shit for granted right like things might not continue on if you think about it from this perspective does the WSOP look to a schedule kind of like when they had the three bracelet swaps? They had the Vegas, Asia Pacific, and Europe. Um, and then they got rid of Asia Pacific. And I think Daniel Negreanu is still the only player to have won bracelets at all three stops. Uh, I think that's one distinction he holds. With that being said, 
in this situation here, does the WSOP now look to be like, hey, maybe there's an opportunity to not just have 101 events. Maybe there's a way to have like 160 events, but spaced over three times throughout the year. Right? Do you maybe incorporate the satellites? Like again, even their circuit stops have been known to run satellites into the events, into the main event and high roller. So satellites are even a component there of their side gig. That's how big it is. Do you expand the satellite offering there and say, hey, we're offering satellites now on, the, on a more regular basis to buy those buy-in chips and they have an expiration at, you know, all of the 2021 uh, WSOP stops. So if there's three WSOP stops in Vegas, you could use them at any of those three stops. So your little chip that you get... Um, what do they call them? Um, lammers. They call them lammers down there. So any of your lammers, they're good. They're good for the entire year. They expire though. We're getting brand new fucking lammers next year. So don't even try that shit. Right? Um, or do you make lammers now kind of, your, you could accrue them. You could save them over to whatever it is. But maybe it's the accruement of lammers that changes. Now you can earn lammers more often and it's a way of kind of easing some of that satellite pressure throughout the year, right? Maybe Caesars property, properties are always offered daily WSOP satellites, right? Maybe that becomes part of the offering there every day at whatever. Each place offers a single table $100 satellite, you know, or has super satellites once a week. There are ways to alleviate the satellite issue, in my opinion, if you looked at it from a purely how do we make the accrual of these lammers happen. There are ways to trickle that down and say, fuck it, you're all one family of properties, you're all going to play nice. The WSOP still falls under Caesars Entertainment. So there are ways to spread that out. Now the daily deep stacks become an issue. If you've eased some of that satellite um, pressure, you now have opened up a room for those daily deep stacks. The daily deep stacks have become their own draw with the WSOP. I don't think you could just, it would just literally be a whatever venue daily deep stack if you weren't, if there wasn't the WSOP aspect attached to it um, for many of the people that play them. Like there's the element of that. I played a WSOP deep stack. I played, played one of the daily deep stacks. I, you know, I grind, you know, I was grinding. I ground hard at those daily deep stacks, the WSOP. Like that's a thing for people. I think it loses some of its value and appeal if it isn't attached. So those in a, in a way, if you make the accrual of the lammers easier, you eliminate some stress and pressure caused by those daily deep, um, by the need to have those daily deep stacks. So you can have the daily deep stacks if you've extended out the satellite things. The satellite thing could be worked out. But now when you look at that, is there a way to make it work where you have multiple stops? Do you do something where, for instance, again, you don't necessarily use the Rio for all the stops. Caesars Entertainment does have that brand new convention space. There's been some talk. I've heard rumors. I don't know where these rumors came from, like how they started. I know where I heard them um, and we don't need to get into that. But I do know uh, where it, um, 
I don't know where it started. I know where I, I, where I heard it. I just don't know where it started. But of using Paris and Bally's. There's some convention space there. And if you don't know, those two hotels are intertwined. So they're both seizure properties. But they also have like a walkway between the two. Like you seamlessly go from one to the other. It's pretty neat. Um, I remember when I first found that out. It was like life changing to me. I just thought like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing. And I don't know why. I was, I was a dork. That's what they they say. Like now that I'm in my early 30s, I hear a lot of people that talk and they say, man, you don't fully grow up until you're in your late 20s, especially as a male. And I can say as a male in my early 30s, that's true. You don't grow up till your late 20s. You really don't. You're not a grown up. You're not a fucking fully functioning adult until then. Um, period. Like I'm saying that now, like I, and I was, and I look back at myself and I'm like, yeah, you know what? You, you were a rock star back then. Like you were just a stud. It's yeah. It's just like, you know what? You don't, you, you aren't grown up until you've reached that stage. So it's just like, yeah, okay. I get it. Um, but, uh, when I was younger, I thought that was a cool thing. I thought that was a fucking cool thing from the Paris to Bally's. I thought that was just absolutely wicked. I was just like, yeah, this is such a cool thing. Like every time I would do that, even the Venetian Palazzo, how you could walk between the two of them. Like I was such a dork. I still kind of am like discovering that I can walk from the wind into the encore. The first, the first time I ever discovered that. Oh my God. That was, oh my God, I was sold. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm always taking this route. Always, always doing this just for the fucking hell of it. Fuck yeah. And I like to walk too when I'm in Vegas. I like to see everything. I like to look around, see the people, everything. So for me, when I look at that, I'm like, yeah, okay. But yeah, so I, I discovered those things. But yeah, there's a way to do that. It would be a hard ass to start splitting it with properties that aren't in Caesars, but there's a way to make it work. Maybe you use the Rio a couple of times. You use Caesars Palace. I mean, that could be kind of cool in itself. Caesar's Palace has convention space. Put it in Caesar's Palace. Um, you know, maybe use Planet Hollywood. There's ways to make it work. Still award bracelets. Um, and I think in the way, this could be an opportunity to really expand that and grow that game. You know, do you introduce a second tier of bracelet? Or is it the fact that it's a bracelet? Like, do, or do you introduce the silver bracelets? Right? Do you introduce something like that? And I'm not saying yes or no, but I mean, you could think of doing something like that. Right? And then, but again, then that becomes a hard thing. Like, at a, at a certain point, you have to make a distinction there that like the buy-ins have to be less or whatever. So maybe a silver bracelet, but again, because you could win a gold bracelet for 500 bucks, yeah, it would just be a thing where people chase them and then you kind of... Avoid. Yeah, so they all have to be gold bracelet events. It has to be the same standard. So that's the other side of it too. You are in a sense kind of not going to necessarily have the same number of players as you would at one concentration. You, But you might also have more because you're going to have those regular players having more chance to play. Right? Maybe that keeps them in Vegas. So these are ways, again, that help the Vegas economy. This is just a suggestion as to what they could do and some thoughts as to how this prog could progress. Or maybe, yeah, you have a small little thing in this in the winter, which could even this year be, and don't, and I'm not ruling it out, that it's just the main event. And and I got to have Jess on the podcast. It's her birthday tomorrow. So uh, when this goes up, everybody, let's wish Jess a very happy, happy, happy birthday. Um, she, uh, yes. 
So we don't need to get. I was gonna say she turns. I was gonna say we don't need to get into that. Um, but uh, yes, I love you, Jess. So happy birthday here. It's uh, and fuck now I got sidetracked talking about Jess and her fucking birthday. Yeah. Oh yes. Um, here we go with the uh, one ha- one event. They could just have a main event. Like we could be into where they just tr- they just need to award that twenty twenty world. Sh- you know that true champion of poker. And it's the main event, 10 grand, one fucking crack. Here you go, everybody. Go for it. Like, that would be insane. Like, you could have, like, six entry flights. You could probably get 50 grand, 50K, 50,000 people for sure. 50,000. And I know it sounds ambitious. Do you, is there 50,000 people out there that would... But I mean, again, it's 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 a freeze-out tournament. So in a way, you are kind of capped in the number of people. I don't know if they've ever gotten to 10... Have they gotten to 10,000 entrants? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if they've ever gotten to 10,000 entrants. But yeah, I could see 15 within the range. 15, 20,000. People just... Bay borrowing still to get the money. 20,000 people. Yeah, you get, you don't fuck it. I'm going to stay with it. I could see if done right, there could be a way to get over 20, over 20,000 people. So, I mean, when you think about it, it's just like, whoa, okay. Like, how do we, um, you know, you need some infrastructure in place there. Like that's a big ask too for this year. So it's it's a big mess, but let's say they have it. They have one event, they have the main event, that's that, okay. You could then just feasibly go back to, okay, this this better not happen two years in a row. All right, next year it's normal again. Next year we just have it in the summer and we try to have 120 bracelet events. We just fucking go, pedal to the metal. Mid-May, end of July, fucking go for it. Like you could do something like that. There are ways that we see things drastically changed coming out of this COVID-19 and the social distancing and the quarantining and all of this and the lockdowns and everything. And there are ways that we just return back to normal eventually and not that far away. So I think, yes, this is a wake-up call as to how things could change and how things have changed and how things will change. I'll think... I think there are some positives to be taken from this. And uh, I think in the grand scheme, there's uh, light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully. And I just wish everybody to stay safe, stay healthy. And uh, let's just try to patiently get through this together. I know it's a big ask. I know it's a big fucking ask. Holy shit, is that a big ask? But I get it. And yeah, um, summer poker season is done. So I'm, I'm going to throw in the towel on it too. You're hearing it here first. Like it's just not going to, I'm not going to go and put myself or my family at risk. Not so for myself, but just more so for my, you know, for everybody around me. It's, it's, just, that's what I look at it for is it's, it's also a bit of a selfless thing you're doing, um, in this. So summer poker season's a wrap on me. It's, uh, let's gear for, let's gear towards the fall. Let's start getting in those reps and, uh, get in there and be ready to go and rock out next season. But uh, yeah, World Series of Poker postponed and uh, big implications there, which we've discussed today, um, which I think uh, summarize will will affect the summer season and affect some of the fall and going into the winter. It will. Some will continue as normal. 
Um, many ways for many of them to continue as normal. Um, but the big one that is going to go under, that's under the biggest pressure, in my opinion, is none other than um, the uh, WSOP. They are in the big trouble. They are the ones that, they have just have a big daunting task. It's a big daunting task. It's not like they're in trouble, it's just it's a big daunting task. WSP is going to be around. But it's just, it's a big daunting task. And I'm interested to see how it looks. Uh, we've talked about some ways to make it work here today. Uh, but I think I've taken up enough of your time. So thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. And I thank you all so much for the continued and growing support on the Seems Legit Podcast. Really, it means the world to me. So thank you all so much. Uh, if you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the Dude Sunny D. Uh, take care and bye bye for it now.